welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. I'm Rob, I'm here with Cheeto. Hello. And for our podcast today, we're going to discuss twin films. Now, twin films are films with the same name or a very similar plot, produced or released at the same time by two different film studios. Now, the phenomenon can result from two or more production companies investing in similar scripts around the same time, resulting in a race to distribute the films to audiences. Some attribute twin films to industrial espionage, the movement of staff between studios, or that the same screenplays are sent to several film studios before being accepted. And another possible explanation is if the film deals, panic eruptions, reality TV, terrorist attacks, or something like that. Um, another possible explanation is, is there's always film projects with similar subjects being developed in multiple studios, and it just could be a coincidence that two happen to make it too. So... Um, don't we need to go first? Yeah, okay, go. so I'm going to take you back in time to 1991 when everyone was getting excited about two Robin Hood films that were being mm. made. Um, Robin Hood, obviously, has been around forever. Centuries-old story. Everyone knows the story of Robin Hood. Um, first Robin Hood film was actually 1908. Oh, wow. First theatrical release, I think, was 1922, mm. uh, where it starred Douglas Fairbanks. But obviously the the, um, the the one that everybody sort of bases it off is The Adventures of Robin Hood, 1938, with Errol Flynn. Um, so, but 1991, everyone's getting excited. The summer of 91, there's two Robin Hood films coming out, going head-to-head. The first was... Um, a British film production and it was directed by John Irving and it was um, starred Patrick Bergen who was an Irish actor um, you might have seen him in Patriot Games and other films like that mm. um, Uma Thurman as uh, Maid Marion but it differed from the sort of standard story because it didn't feature the Sheriff of Nottingham or he's like a massive part though, yeah Gareth Gisborne um so Bergen played Robert Hode. Um you uh you instead had Jurgen Prochnow as Samuel's Falconet and Jerome Crabb as Baron Roger Daguerre. And these these are supposedly characters that appeared in the original story. Mm. Um again it kind of it went under the radar a little bit because um instead of going head to head with the other film, they released it on TV first. Okay, yeah. Um, and then it had, I think, limited theatrical release in Europe um, and America. Um, the second film was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. This is more of a Hollywood <laughs> one, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Um, starring, obviously, Kevin Costner, who I think at that time was probably biggest star in the world i mean yeah. he'd had such success he dancing with wolves he'd done um field of dreams bodyguard as well yeah so he was the top of his game then and uh, stunning in this film he just has an american accent he? yeah he did he's um <laughs> he doesn't even, doesn't even bother putting on an english <laughs> yeah so you had uh, mary elizabeth master antonio as lady marion christian slater plays will scarlet who turns out to be robert robin's half brother mm. 
he attempts an English accent, but he obviously went to the Dick Van Dyke school of... <laughs> you know he, everything from yeah, Martin, he's a cop. He just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you then had um, Alan Rickman as a sheriff of Nottingham and Morgan Freeman as Azim, which is a character that does not appear yeah, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just to get Morgan yeah. Freeman in there. Well, the story is that... Um, Robin of Locksley is a Saxon nobleman. He goes off to find the Crusades. He's captured, imprisoned in Jerusalem. He breaks free, but he also frees um, a more named Azim, which is Morgan Freeman's character. And because um, because he actually saved his life, he owes him a life debt. Mm. So he has to follow him around That's uh, till he can repay that life debt. So that's how they manufactured a way to get... <laughs> Him into it, um, yeah. It was directed by Kevin Reynolds. Um, well, I saw that, um, the, the, the previous Robin Hood film it was produced by John McTiernan, yeah, that same John McTiernan for yeah, Die Hard, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Um, so yeah, and originally Alan Rickman wasn't going to be in it, he turned it down, but then they said to him, basically, you've got. You you can do whatever with the character, so I think that's why he, he did it, and mm. it's probably the best thing in the film. Mm. Um, yeah, he's uh, he really does camp it up. It's very pantomime. He um, he gets some of the because the Robin Hood is quite serious film, but this is more campy, more sort of action based. Yeah. Lots of humour in it, and a lot of that comes from Alan Rickman. He gets some of the best comedy lines in there, um, and I think he got. I think I think he might have got nominated for an Oscar for that, possibly. Um, but yeah, it was it was generally critically panned. Um, <laughs> That's but made three hundred ninety million at the box office on a forty eight million pound dollar budget, so you can't really. Yeah, <laughs> Um, and obviously, what helped it as well was Brian Adams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything I do, I do it for you. Sixteen weeks at number one. Although the actual f- the song doesn't appear in the film at all, it's played over the end credits. Um, but that just helped to drive that film. Um, and I think probably you you mentioned Robin Hood, nineteen ninety one, and this is the film that everybody. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I didn't even realise there was another film, yeah. Robin Hood film, in what what year or whatever year it was. So I guess this one wins the Battle of the Twins, <laughs> just for being the bigger film. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, like I said, I've never seen that's one film because I like I like Kevin Costner. I've actually never seen Prince of Thieves, so yeah. I need to give that. That's on my list to to watch. Um, right, shall I go next? Yeah, yeah. you can. Um, yeah. Right, my two. First films are Spectre and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. And they were both made in 2015. Um, Spectre is an MGM and Columbia Pictures film. It's directed by Sam Mendes, who also directed American Beauty, Jarhead in 1917. It stars Daniel Craig, Christoph Waltz, Dave Bautista and Ralph Fiennes. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is a Skydance production and Paramount Pictures film. Uh, It's directed by Christopher McCrory, who also directed The Usual Suspects of Valkyrie and Jack Reacher. Um, it stars John, uh, Tom Cruise, Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg and Alec Baldwin. Both films feature the protagonist chasing after secret criminal organisations through Austria, Morocco and London, which I think is so specific. 
um, while the intelligence agencies are shutting down. Uh, Paramount actually had to advance the release, of date, release date of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation to avoid conflicting with Spectre. Um, now, as overall film franchises, <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of James Bond, especially the newer ones. Um, and Mission Impossible is all right, you know. It's, it's, it's kind of the, the campy, hokey action films you'd expect, blockbusters. But uh, Spectre is well known for being one of the one of the biggest disappointments in the James Bond franchise. Um, what what where does it appear in the series for like the new the Daniel Craig ones? So uh, Daniel Craig's uh, debut as James Bond, Casino Royale, was is one of the best probably the best James Bond film ever made. And then there's this trope where every other James Bond film is really bad and vice versa. So you had like Casino Royale, which is really good. You had Quantum of Solace, the um, sequel, which is really bad. Um, then you had Spect um, then you had Skyfall, which is one of the best. And then you had Spectre. And there's a new one, obviously, kind of, hopefully it follows that. But yeah, I, I it was just, I mean, it's got a brilliant cast. I mean, two-time Oscar winner. He, he was in Inglourious Bastards and he was in um, Django. And he, for a... Um, they've always had good villains because in, in Skyfall they had Javier by them, obviously off, off of yeah. um, a few good men. And I thought it was, it was going to be a really good film. And obviously Dave Bautista, he was starting to transition from wrestling. He'd already been Drax in um, Guns of the Galaxy. And I thought it was a really, really good um, plot when I heard it. But... It's just executed so wrong. And like I said, I thought anything with Sam Mendes, you expect to be really good, but it's just... So what is it about then that makes them twin films? Well, is it just the they, plot? They, it's the plot and the... I mean, there's no lie that Mission Impossible is based... Like any other spy film is, is based on on James Bond, but it's just the fact that these two films yeah. are... The plot is so similar and the fact that uh, the 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 secret criminal organisations are, are they track them through Austria, Morocco, and London each, which I just think are two that in both films yeah, so very specific. So specific. Yeah. So it's like I said, I, I remember watching Spectre, and I just it was it. I think it tried too much because it was so confusing. Where like Skyfall and Casino Royale, the two good ones are so simple, but they executed so well. It's just. You kind of lose like the thriller aspect when you don't know really understand what's going on. But I was really, really confused. I think with James Bond films, I know they've got they've gotten they are considered some of the best. Even like nowadays, they're considered they actually put like proper writing and development into the into the film, especially nowadays. Whereas like in the nineties, they, they just give you um carnage candy really, but. Yeah, just it just lost me, and then Mission Impossible. I think, even though it overall it's the weaker franchise, this film is much better. And Mission Impossible was actually I actually prefer the newer ones because they started out as a nineties like, um, you know, I feel about I love nineties action films, but they they very much carry the tropes of a nineties action film because they are nineties action film. And then as they they almost matured, and just the the last what three Mission Impossible films. They've all got brilliant directors. And uh, so I think the, 
the guy that directed Mission Impossible wrote the films and then they were like, we might as well just give you this to, to direct. And he actually directs it really well, but um, yeah, very contrasting films in my opinion uh, from two different, two similar um, genres of film. So that's why um, they're twin films, but in, in this case it's a massive win to Mission Impossible and Rogue Nation for this. So. Okay, cool. All right. So my next twin films uh, uh, from the nine, 1988, um, Big and Vice Versa. Mm. And the reason they're twin films is, is they both deal with um, one's like a body swap film and the other's where a kid gets big, essentially. So um, there were actually, I think, two other films made around that same time dealing with the same subject, but they weren't as as um, these are the ones that I think went head to head yeah. at the time. So, vice versa, um, it stars <coughs> Judge Roy Reinhold and Fred Savage. I don't think I actually heard of Judge Reinhold. He was in about Fred Savage, but not um, um, Beverly Hills Cop. You've probably seen him, and he yeah. plays a young detective. Okay, in that. yeah, yeah. Um, and he plays um, a character called Marcel Seymour, who was a vice president of a Chicago department store. He's divorced. He's got an eleven-year-old son who's uh, Fred Savage. He and his girlfriend travel to Thailand on a on a trip to purchase exotic merchandise. Mm. <laughs> this is what that's really like. <laughs> At the same time, an art thief um, tries to purchase a stolen skull, and it's been stolen from a Buddhist temple. But he's got no way of of getting it back to the US. So he smuggles it in, out of the country, in with Marshall's purchases. Mm. So when he when Marshall returns, he takes Charlie for a few days while his mother, uh, Robin, and stepfather Cliff are on vacation. Mm. And there's always a bit of tension. Charlie can't understand why his father doesn't isn't more involved in his life. And so while they're holding the skull, they get into an argument about they wish they could be in each other's bodies and then it's revealed the skull possesses supernatural powers. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that basically happens. And um, so then Marshall has to go off to school, deal with stuff Charlie does, and then, you know, Charlie go, goes into his dad's body mm. and, you know, has to go to work. Um, so obviously it, it makes them both, it brings them both closer together. Yeah. And then in the end they, they have to go looking for the, ch- the skull and they find it and they go back to, you know, normal and they both have learned a valuable lesson <laughs> um from a budget of 10 million it, it only made 13.7 so it only oh, yeah. just about made it its budget back so uh the next film is big and that stars tom hanks um and this is um a story where uh 12 year old josh baskin um he and his friend go to ride a carnival ride. Uh, he finds it's too small to, to ride it. So anyway, he goes, finds this fortune-telling machine called Zoltar, and he makes a wish to be big. And then he dispenses a card stating, your wish is granted. Then Josh is spooked when he notices it's been unplugged the whole time. <laughs> so the next morning, he's suddenly grown into a fully-fledged adult, which is Tom Hanks. Mm. Um they try to find the machine, but the carnival's moved on. 
So he goes home, he tries to explain to his mother, and obviously she's refused to listen to him. Yeah. Um, so then he has to um, go and get a job. So he gets a job in this company as a data entry clerk. He, he happens to meet the company's owner, um, and he invites him to uh, a meeting, um, and he actually becomes, <laughs> he gets a job as a... Um, in pre- uh, vice president in, cl- in charge of product development. Um, and the creepy thing is he actually starts dating Elizabeth Perkins. Oh, what? Uh, which is, yeah, yeah. a little bit weird because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in the end, they they, they find the machine. Uh, he makes a wish. He turns back to a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, he says to Elizabeth Perkins, why don't you wish you were younger as well, then we can be together. And she's like, well, no, I've been through childhood um, once already. And that's kind of where it ends. Um, but obviously on the, on an $18 million budget, it made $151 million. Oh, so it's much more so successful, much more than, successful the other, yeah. than the other one. Um, and Judge Reinhold actually says that's probably the film that, that may killed his career. Oh wow! Because he really struggled to find work after that. Mm. Um, that and the fact, you know, he said he had this reputation for being difficult to to work with. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so big um, was the bigger film that that. Uh, <laughs> that they, um, I mean, in- interesting fact. I mean, the the film struggled to get made until actually uh, Robert De Niro expressed an interest to be in it. Oh, well, big. Yeah, oh, is, is um, he in it? Then? No, he wanted to be in the in ah. in it as the main character, but um, they couldn't afford his six million dollar ah. salary. Um, so uh, Tom Hanks, I think, was cast, and he did it for like two million dollars. So we could have seen Big with Robert De Niro. <laughs> I mean, different, wouldn't yeah, it? with different sort of film altogether. Yeah. What? Should now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah next two. Right. Uh, my next two are The Equalizer and John Wick. Uh, they're both made in 2014. Uh, the, the Equalizer Columbia Pictures film uh, is directed by Anton Fuqua, who also directed Training Day, Shooting, The Magnificent Seven. It stars Denzel Washington, Chloe Ga- Grace Moretz, David Harbour and Bill Pullman. Uh, John Wick is a summit entertainment and Lionsgate film. It's directed by Chad Stahelski in his directorial debut. Never even heard of him. He's one of the most successful stuntmen of all time. So he got because John Wick is so heavily um, proper actual fighting scenes. That's the reason why they gave it to him because he's one of the best stuntmen of all time. Um, he stars Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, John Leguizamo, however you say his name, the guy from Executive Decision, yeah. and Willem Dafoe. Both films involve a highly trained protagonist who seeks revenge through killing. And like I've I've seen both of these films in the cinema. And it's a rare occurrence where both of these films are brilliant. Like, um, and they are very, very similar. They follow very, very similar plots. Um, the only difference is is that John Wick goes out um, for, uh, for revenge because uh, these people killed his dog, where uh, the equaliser, Denzel Washington, uh, goes out for revenge because it's like a, um, like a hooker ring. And he meets this girl, Chloe Grace Moretz, and he goes and goes for revenge for treating her like shit, basically. Um, yeah, like I said, it was it was very weird because I actually these are two like of that year. These are probably the two best films of that year, 
Um, I mean, it's it's hard because John Wick is more like physical fighting based. Um, you can definitely see why it was directed by a stuntman. But um, yeah, both made loads of money. Uh, both are, are well renowned, um, and both have gone on to make sequels. So there's not really much I can say other than that they follow very similar plots, but they are. It's very rare where a twin film that actually, in my opinion, both as good as each other because they are, like I said, probably in the last 10 years, the two of the best thrillers out there. So it's a very short yeah. one, but there's not much I can say because yeah. they're both brilliant films. Yeah, like I, I said, I left the cinema. Thing. Mm. Yeah, because um, Denzel Washington is, as, as I remember, a, an ex CIA operative yeah, working, in a, working in a do it yourself. Yeah, DIY star, and I can't remember John Wick's background. Well, he Why? was um, he, uh, he was some sort of um, operative, and uh, he gets robbed. They kill his dog, and he goes. Yeah, out, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Go, but yeah, goes out for revenge. Yeah. So there are revenge flicks, and you can say there's a lot of them, but just the specific uh, character developments is even the same, and. I reckon this is this is one where they probably got sent a script each and then they Columbia took it, Sony took it, made the equalizer and then Summit made made their own movie from that script. So but uh, like I said, there's not much I can say. They're both yeah. I left the cinema happy with both of these because they're two of my favourite films of the last 10 years, so, yeah. Cool, all right. What's your next? Yeah, my next twin films are K-9 and Turner and Hooch. Mm. Um, K-9 um, was released in 1989, about three months before Turner and Hooch. And it's, it's they're both uh, buddy cop action comedy films. But rather than buddying them with another person, they're actually partnered with a dog. Mm. So K9 stars Jim Belushi um, when he was kind of big. Um, he plays, as always, a bad-tempered San Diego police detective. <laughs> yeah. It's basically red heat with a well, dog. It is, yeah. You, 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 replace, you replace Adam Schwarzenegger with a German <laughs> shepherd. You've got K9. Um, he's been tagged for execution by a, an international drug dealer. And so to help him, they've... Um, they partner him up with a drug-sniffing dog called Jerry Lee. And, and it's basically, um, you know, it, it's that buddy cop movie. They both dislike each other to start with, but then they both grow to sort of respect and like each other. Mm. Um, and even at the end, uh, Jerry Lee actually saves his life, takes a bullet for him. So, yeah, tears were flowing there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you've got Turner and Hooch, which stars um, Tom Hanks. And this is slightly, slightly the same sort of premise. Um, Tom Hanks is a, a, a police detective. He's uh, in the process of moving to a new job because he doesn't feel that uh, his existing one is exciting enough. Um, and then a friend of his is, is killed, and the only witness is, is the dog, mm. uh, Hooch. And uh, so he, he tries to sort of offload Hooch onto onto the vet, um, but she won't take him. So then 
because he's kind of a bit of a neat freak as well. Mm. So it's, it's again, it's that kind of dog takes over, messes up his apartment, that kind of thing. They they hate each other initially. Um, the actual dog manages to to um, to identify the guy who killed his owner. Yeah. Um, and again, in the end, uh, dog takes a bullet for him. Like so that. it's very yeah, so it's, well, it's yeah. dogs man. Right, it's it's, yeah. Pulls the heartstrings. Um both were successful. Um Turn and Hooch made seventy one million, K nine made seventy eight million. Yeah. So um yeah. Those were Like I said, I, I like both films. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, there's not one that I've got favourite, but just it's a, it was a different premise when you got a man and a dog, yeah. and it just adds that extra layer of um, like emotion to it because it's yeah. a dog man. Yeah. But yeah, so shall I move on to yeah, my next move on to your right. next. My next two are Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down. Uh, both made in 2013. Olympus Has Fallen. That, I can't believe that they didn't know that other films were in production with exactly the same <laughs> plot. <laughs> Literally, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is. I just can't, I can't imagine. But... Well, this thing, Olympus Has Fallen is a Millennium Films and Film District film. It's once again directed by Anton Fuqua. It stars Gerald Butler, Aaron Eckhart, Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd. Well, it's down as a Columbia Pictures film, which seems Columbia Pictures, right? A lot of films, because Columbia Pictures is, of course, a subsidiary of Sony. Yeah. A lot of twin films... Copies seem to be from Sony, so yeah. I don't know. They have a proper knack for doing it, so I don't know if that's something. Do they then. release theirs first or second usually? Second, yeah, yeah. All right. So <laughs> a lot of these, but it's directed by Roland. Uh, allegedly, they want to get sued. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's directed by Roland Emmerich, who is is White House Down is the biggest Roland Emmerich film going. Who he also directed Independence Day, The Patriot, and The Day After Tomorrow, yeah. so he knows how to yeah. do blockbusters. It stars Channing Tatum, Jamie Foxx, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Woods. Both of action films about terrorist attacks on the White House. And that's literally yeah. what it is. I, I saw Olympus Has Fallen in the cinema. I didn't see White House Down. It took me a couple of years to see that. But uh, I get mixed up. Which one's got um, Jared Butler in it? The good one, yeah, is Olympus Has Fallen. Because I haven't seen the other one. Uh, I that one, he's... Is it where he's on a tour of the White House with his daughter? No, that uh, oh, White House Down is that one. Oh right, so, okay. So, uh, so the Olympus Has Fallen is about um, Mike Banning, who because there's a full trilogy now. Yeah, that has fallen. London yeah. has fallen. Angels fallen. Yeah. But Mike Bannon, he's a like uh, not a disgraced White House guard, but he um, had to pick. There was an accident. He had to pick between the president's life and the first lady's wife, and he uh, life, and he picks. The president's so right. Aaron Eckhart plays the president, and he's not got like a resentful to it, like yeah. a resent to him. He just he, he every time he sees Mike Banning, he, he brings him back to that. Right, yeah. But basically, uh, these so so called um South Korean uh, like the leader and his his team go into the White House because obviously they're allies and and they. Uh, they talk down, they sit down and they start talking, obviously, what, about politics between the two countries. And then uh, it turns out that they aren't South Korean, they're actually North Korean terrorists. And uh, all these North Koreans start 
invading the White House, killing all the guards. And it, and it is kind of that commando thing, one guy versus a whole thing, but it's so much more than that. It's so much realer and it's it's a really brutal film. Like the violence is like proper, it's almost John Wick levels of yeah. violence. And right. it's just a really, in, it was a really interesting premise. I think the reason why a lot of people, it opened a lot of people's eyes because like I said, it, it is a really, really interesting premise. You could say it's Die Hard in the White House, but... Hey, I love that type of genre. I, that's one of my favorite types of genre. You know, one man on his own, and uh, it's a very uncomfortable film because, like I said, Mike is on his own the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you got White House Down, which is just the most Sony film going. It's, it's <laughs> it obviously saw Olympus is Fall. That's the more grounded one. Yeah. Grounded in reality and the, the dark, even even just the um, it's darker. The script Olympus is Fall is the, the script's darker. Yeah. The the action is darker, but just the actual when you watch the film the film is is darker like the right. actual color levels are darker and that makes it much more gritty film where white house down is just um think of olympus has fallen but it's like uh hollywood and eyes you know it's right. just yeah takes everything to that next thing and it's about that is the white house down is the one about where he takes his um i think he's a uh so i've only watched it once but i've I think Channel Tatum is, is he like a Washington <laughs> policeman, maybe. He's either a cop or he's oh, like he's like a yeah, security guard or something. But he takes his daughter to the White House, um, and I think James Woods is the bad guy, which is really <laughs> odd because I'm used to seeing him as the bad guy in Family Guy. But yeah, he's the bad guy, and I don't know. I've, like I said, I can't remember what his motive was because I've seen it once. It really is a bad. It's it's a terrible film. I've seen Sony. Don't sue me. But um, yeah, it's basically the same film right. as Olympus of Fallen, but done so much worse. And it's proven, just goes to show that Olympus of Fallen is, is literally in the top five films of the last t- 10 years. It's, it is honestly such a good film. And White House Down has kind of been forgotten. People do kind of, um, Olympus of Fallen has its own identity, where sometimes people might, might think that Olympus has fallen as White House Down. That's how bad White House Down is, but it, yeah, it kind of sensationalizes the plot a little. It kind of uses um, plot devices they don't really explain, and it follows the truck. It's it's very much. It will fit more in like as an eighties and nineties action film, yeah. other than like the the real because cinema has changed now. Then they're more real gritty, like Olympus has fallen. Yeah. I think that's why I hold it in such high regard, and it's actually got. A compelling story like there's actually um layers of story behind it like with with how uh it sets up mike as this guy that saves the president's life yeah uh it makes the characters feel human and feel emotion and obviously as humans we we feel emotion we can understand emotion and that that brings us in closer and it, like yeah. i said it makes it even more compelling where white house down is just he happens to be there and that's it and it and like i'd I never really liked Chan Tatum. I think mm. Jared Butler is by far, and it's got a better cast as well, way better cast. Uh, but yeah, I think for a lead lead man, I think Jared Butler last ten years, him and like Liam Neeson are the leading men. Whereas Chan Tatum, I don't really, I see him in those uh, those Magic Mike films. I'm like, piss off! Is he gonna be in the, like a huge blockbuster? But yeah, uh, I think what you can get out of this is. Olympus has fallen, really good. Mm. White House down, avoid it. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, so my next two, uh, um, 
Armageddon and Deep Impact. Yep. So I'll start with Deep Impact. Um, essentially, the plot is uh, an amateur astronomer, uh, played by Elijah Wood, discovers an unusual object, and he sends it to an astronomer, astronomer who realises it's a comet on collision course with Earth. Well, the astronomer dies in a car crash. Mm. Then a year later, a journalist, Jenny Lerner, played by Tia Leone, she's investigating the Secretary of the Treasury over his connection with Ellie, who she supposes is his mistress. Mm. Um, and what she finds out after digging is that Ellie is actually an acronym for ELE Extinction Level Event. So uh, it's a big cover story for this comet that's coming to Earth. It's it's going to destroy the Earth. Yeah. Um, where the government haven't released um, the news because they don't want to panic people. They've um, they've actually been planning uh, a mission. Uh, they've been constructing a space. The United States and Russia have been constructing a space station in orbit. Um. And a space you're going to use a spacecraft to transport a team to the comets um, to the comet with nuclear bombs. Mm. So that's kind of the the story. Um, it's much more of a serious film. Yeah. It's actually you know scientifically more accurate. Um, from a budget of eighty million, it made three hundred and forty nine million. So it was still that's, a good film. That's you know, a huge amount yeah. of budget, especially for the nineties. Again, it got over. I mean, Made us money back yeah. and forth, didn't it? And then I mean, you had you had Robert Duvall in it, yeah. T. Leone, Elijah Wood, Vanessa Redgrave, Maximilian Shell, Morgan Freeman played the president. That's a very good. James cast. Cromwell, yeah. So it's a good. Robert cast. Duvall, the, the um, is he the uh, main? Um, he's he's um, what he is? He's um, a veteran astronaut. He's like a veteran. I think he's he might maybe Mercury, but definitely of the Apollo missions. Yeah. Um, and he, he's initially the the younger astronauts are skeptical. They just think that his inclusion in the mission is just like a PR stunt. Yeah. But he actually turns out to, I think, save the day. In the end. Really? Well. Yeah. I need, so. to, I need to watch this film. Yeah, it's it's, it's good. I but, saw also John Favreau as well. He's in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Um, but then that kind of got overshadowed by <laughs> Armageddon. <laughs> And all I've got to tell you about this is it's directed by Michael Bay. That's all you need to know, isn't it? And produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. I love so, this film. Yeah, it's a similar it's a similar plot. Um, there's a comet about to hit Earth. NASA are, are trying to come up with ideas of what, what to do. Uh, they decide that the best option is to send up a team. They're going to drill a hole 800 metres deep, drop a nuclear warhead down there, blow it up at a fault line so the comet splits in two and misses Earth. So they, they're looking around, who's the best deep car drillers around? It all comes down to Bruce Willis. So they go off, they bring him back to uh, NASA in Texas. Um, they want him to be consultant and train up a team and he says there's just not enough time. You know, you can't train people how to drill. It's Isn't it, I think... I think it's two weeks, isn't it? They get yeah, something, no, like something that, yeah. yeah. So he said, you know, you know, you know, so they said, what, what did she suggest? Well, you know, send me and my team up. Yeah. 
So and what what is his team? We've got Gosler? Ben Affleck, Billy, um, Ben Affleck, Owen Wilson, Will Patton, and William, uh, William Fitchner is is one of the actual astronauts. We have got Michael Clyde Duncan, <laughs> <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Um. So yeah, it is. Like I say, it, it's it's like you were saying about White House Down, Olympus Has Fallen. You know, one's kind of a serious film, yeah. more more accurate, and this is just like all guns well, blazing. Yeah, Michael let's Bay. just let's just don't give a shit about that. Let's <laughs> just, yeah. To be fair though, to, to, to Armageddon's um, credit, yeah, it does actually bring in a lot of emotion. Yeah, and. Um, it's got a kick-ass. But it's that as well. it's that kind of flag waving. America's going to save the world kind of thing, you know. Yeah. That that they all. I just I just love to yeah. way it's about. I just love this it film. Is, yeah. It's an amazing film. It is like I said. It is a very yeah. Hollywood blockbuster. But... So they take off in two shuttles, two teams. Um, they dock with the Russian space station where they're going to get refueled. Um, just to add to the jeopardy, the 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 fuel. Um, blows up, space station blows up. They they get away, but they the heavy one astronaut played by Peter Stormare. Um, they slingshot around the moon. They get onto the comet. One of the shuttles lands safely. The other one crashes. Although the the astronaut, the pilots are killed. The rest of the crew are, are safe, and they then have to find their way to the other crew. Um, oh, I just go back yeah, to the scene, the Ben it, Affleck yeah. scene when he jumps the chasm. Yeah. With the, um, but yeah, and then then what happens is they they're drilling, they get to their depth, they have to drop the nuclear warhead down. There's a again just to just to add to the jeopardy. There's a meteor shower which destroys the remote control and the nuke, so it has to be nuke, it has to be set off um, manually. So they take, they draw straws. Ben Affleck gets the short straw. It just so happens just before they've. They set off. Ben Affleck um, became engaged to Bruce Willis's daughter. So Bruce Willis is going down uh, to take him down to the surface, and he he basically pushes him back into the 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 elevator lift, and he you know and he's going to do it himself. And at like the last second, he he detonates it and saves the world basically. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it is. It's just. I mean, the, it was a big budget film. It cost 140 million. Oh, I wow. guess that's the special effects and everything. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, it's a monster. It made 553 million. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah. And like I say, even though Deep Impact yeah. was a good film, you know, it did well at the box office. It was just overshadowed by Armageddon. And I think that this was actually the highest grossing film in 98. Possibly. Yes, it was. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, I just I just love that film, but it's got a good, uh, it's got a kick-ass um, theme tune to it as well yeah. by Aerosmith. Yeah, like, like I say, it's it is very flag waving. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> USA, USA. <laughs> right. Okay, your next uh, um, two. My next two are Battleship and Pacific Rim. Okay. Now I've yeah. seen both of these in the cinema. Yeah, and I'll get on to how I feel about them. Uh, both made in 2012. Um, Battleship is a Universal Pictures film. It's directed by Peter Berg, who also directed Hancock, Lone Survivor, and Deepwater Horizon. It stars Taylor Kitsch, Alexander Skarsgård, Rihanna, yes, the singer, <laughs> and Liam Neeson, because he's in every film ever. Um, Pacific Rim is a legendary Pictures and Warner Bros. film. It's directed by Guillermo del Toro, who directed Blade Two, Hellboy in the Shape of Water. 
It stars Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba, Charlie Day and Ron Perlman. Both involved the invasion of Earth by extraterrestrials that have fought at sea. The protagonist also loves his brother in combat, uh, loses his brother in combat during both movies, which is a very specific thing. Um, yeah, how I feel about these films. I went into Battleship because it was heavily, um, heavily uh, advertised. And I thought, I thought, for some reason, I thought, I got going into it, I thought it was going to be Shawshank because the map, map, they were big in this film up and it was an absolute bomb. I think it lost about 150 million um, just from its budget alone. Um, you can already tell how bad this film is just from that. Uh, basically, what it is, is Battleship. There's this, it's basically Independence Day on sea. There's this huge, um, huge alien ship and they got a fight at sea, uh, the Navy, but there's just so many things wrong with this film. I mean, Peter Berg might be, um, might be controversial, but I don't think he's that good of a director. I, I don't see him as, like, you, you see someone as, like, uh, say, Guillermo del Toro with Pacific Rim. He has a very specific style where Peter Bow just doesn't. You know, he's just a run-of-the-mill director. Um, Seems um, like a departure from his normal type of films, doesn't it? Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did Hellboy, didn't he? And he's, he's, he's seen he's like doing the horror s- films yeah. as well. Well, it's... it's like I said, I'll, I'll get on to remember Battleship is a really bad film. I remember going into it and I, like I said, I was so excited and then I left the film. I remember when, while it was going on, I remember I just slumped in my chair because the special effects are very 2012. Um, the acting is absolutely poor. The fact that they, the only reason why they got Rihanna in is to get more money and that's, she can't act. That's was a, perhaps was one of her songs used in the film? Or, no, 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 it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't even they, just to drive that. No, no, they, they. I think the only reason why they got her in was just because of star power. Right. But I'm like, if you're willing to diminish your film so much just to get money, and yeah. then, then I just remember slumping back in my chair. I was like, oh my god. I've seen a lot of that recently, though, with singers being like Harry Styles. Yeah. Oh yeah, Harry Styles and yeah, Dunco, where he said yeah. one word. Yeah, but I was just like, I just don't see the point, you know. There, there's a few, there's a few singers that I, I like, like um, I like Thingy, uh, the rapper. Hello, Cool J. I think he's pretty decent. Um, but with Rihanna, yeah, it was a, I think it's it was kind a, of a cynical move just to try and generate some interest yeah, and get, get people to go and watch it. But now, Pacific, we're going on to Pacific Rim. I didn't really know much about this film going into it, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it's got a very good cast, which I like, and like I said, Guillermo del Toro. It's uh, even like the colours and like just the the way it is. It's, it's a very um, it look it almost looks a bit Blade Runnerish, but he's got such a distinct style, and I really like his way of act, uh, directing. Um, like I said, obviously Charlie Hunnam got the the main part off of um, what's the show? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, that's yeah. it. Um, and Indy Selber, they're the two main cast. Uh, it's about, have you ever seen it? Yes, I have, yeah. yeah. It's about a, uh, there's like these extraterrestrials and humans build these massive robots and Charlie Hunnam and Indy Selber, they are like the operators in it and they have to, it shows this story out with Charlie Hunnam where he first gets into it and he has to do his training or he gets his ass kicked when he goes in and then he has to, fight um battle after battle jump over hurdles and he finally gets trained up to the to the right ability and 
yeah, the, the, the fight. And I just think it was such a unique film. Like, where Battleship, yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's different to Independence Day and the fact that they just changed the setting, but it is Independence Day at the same, at the same time. Whereas Pacific Rim, they actually try something different where supermassive robots fighting aliens. Who wouldn't want that? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it almost follows the uh, yeah. King Kong versus Godzilla aspect. But yeah, it's just a very compelling film. And I actually think like... It's battleships about aliens coming to Earth. They're destroying our technology. And the only thing that's left is it's a World War II battleship. Is that yeah. right? So we're having to go back to old school technology to defeat them. Which, which on paper sounds like a yeah, very good, yeah, very does. good thing, but they just—it's uh, all I can say is it's such a bad, it's just a bad yeah. film. It just is a bad film, and like, like I said before, I just remember being slumped in my chair, like, oh my god, this is sh-. even twelve-year-old me. I was like, this is shit, you know. Even back then, yeah. I knew it was a good yeah. film, but the reason why I knew at the time it was such a bad film is because when I watched Pacific, I loved it, and it. It puts you on the edge of your seat. It's like it's always got a thrilling aspect to it, and the I feel like the aliens in the the extraterrestrials in Pacific Rim pose a much bigger threat than in Battleship, and that adds stakes. And stakes to me are very important mm-hmm. in a film. It makes it can make a very boring mm-hmm. boring adult film actually thrilling. And like I said, uh, Battleship lost like 150 million dollars. Yeah. That's just from it. It just it had a huge huge budget obviously with the special effects and the cast and it just didn't recuperate that at all whereas Pacific Rim was a huge blockbuster made loads it got a sequel as well so yeah well that's the test isn't it if a film gets a sequel you know it's you know it's it's done well at the box office there's there's a an audience appetite for that film and I've seen Uh, I've seen the sequel the sequel very good as well but yeah like I said Pacific Rim way outweighs Battleship for me so right on to yours Right, well, mine, um, I'm going back to 1993 now, yep. and um, 1993, 1994. Um, and again, these, these I, um, I'm not sure why they chose this um, this particular person to make films about. I, I don't know if there's maybe a, an anniversary or something, yeah. but um, one's Tombstone, one's Wyatt Earp. And they're essentially basically westerns that tell the story of uh, Wyatt Earp and the battle, uh, sorry, the gunfight, the OK Corral, essentially. Um, mm. And start with Tombstone. Um, Tombstone is, is directed by George P. Cosmatos, um, written by Kevin Jarre, who he actually was the original director, but he was replaced. Oh, wow. Now, the interesting thing about this is. White Earp stars um, Kevin Costner. Now, yeah. he was originally attached to Tombstone to play White Earp, but he didn't like the script written by Kevin Jarre. So, do you reckon he went to a different... So, he went to, yeah, to essentially make his, his kind of own film. I saw it was, it was written by Lawrence Kasdan yeah, as well. And, and directed and produced as well, so he kind of used his star power then. Yeah. Uh, but Tombstone stars Kurt Russell... And Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Michael Bean, um, and a narration by Robert Mitchum. So it's a decent cast. Yeah, you, um, huge cast. Those. I mean, there's rumours that Kevin Costner tried to use his star power to stop this, stop Tombstone getting 
um, distributed. Yeah. Um, and thinking that might affect the casting of it, but it didn't. There's also, um, from what I can tell, Kurt Russell actually did direct a lot of this film. Oh, wow. Um, George P. Kismatis was just kind of a, you know, came in just to supervise. And mm. when Kevin Jarre left, um, Kurt Russell kind of took over. And and uh, so I think we all know the story of uh, Gunfight the OK Corral, yeah. uh, Brothers, along with Doc Holliday, and they're gunfight, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tombstone, um, from a budget of 25 million, it made 56.5. So, you know, doubled its, yeah. you know, so it's, it's not a bad return. Um, like I say, White Earp um, stars. Well, the reason, reason, um, Costner left is he didn't like the fact that Tombstone is more of an ensemble piece. Yeah. He felt it, that the film should focus about. more on, on the main character, White Herb, which obviously he would play. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he went he went to do this film, White Herb, and it's got a good cast as well. You've got Gene Hackman, Mark Harmon, Michael Madsen, Bill Pullman. Tombstone had a Paxton, they've got a Pullman. <laughs> 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 Dennis Quaid, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, that's even a good Isabel cast Rosalini. as well. Um, and again, it, it just it it received mixed reviews. I mean, the, it, it was over. Um, running time was like three hours and ten minutes. Yeah. So you've got to be like Lord yeah, of the Rings levels. Exactly. There's just not. I mean, it, originally it was intended as a six. I think a six um, six part TV miniseries. Yeah. Until Kevin Costner joined. So, you know, and I think, like you say, you, it's got to be a decent film to, to make you sit there for three hours, yeah. really. Um, We're talking about it's got to be, like, one of the yeah, best films of all time. Yeah, And it's budget was 63 million, and it, it made 25 at the box oh, office. So it was a bomb. Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, I think Costa attributes this to his decline because he went from making this, and then he did, like, Waterworld, Waterworld Postman... Yeah. And I think that's what kind of, you know, not killed his career, but really set it back. Yeah. Um, so we're all in agreement that Tombstone is just a better film overall. Yeah, I it? think so. I mean, they're both good films, you know, they're both good watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like Westerns anyway. But I say, you get to like two hours and you think, is this going to finish? Yeah. You see, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there you don't really need. Um, a lot of filler. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the worst thing when yeah. when us as a viewer we want it to end. You just that just goes to show that the film might yeah. not be as good as it is. But I just think it, you know, obviously Costner, you know, coming off the back of something like I say, Dances with Wolves and um, Field of Dreams and that, you know, I, I reckon it's in. It's probably he's had his finger in this film, yeah. you know, and and using his star power. Uh, which, you did, know. did um Lawrence Kasdan ever direct anything before this? Yeah, he directed um, Body Heat, Big Chill, Silverado, um, and then after this, not not many films I've actually heard of. No, so that might kill his career as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's my my two, my last two finished. Right, so my uh, last two are um, favourites of mine. Uh, 
It's executive decision yes. and Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> executive decision was made in 1996, while Air Force One was made in 1997. Executive decision is a silver pictures and Warner Bros. film. It's directed by unknown English director Stuart Baird in his directorial debut. He's done three films ever. Uh, one of them was this executive decision the other was Star Trek Nemesis in 2002 right. and the other one was I believe US Marshals the sequel right. to The Fugitive okay um, never heard of him I know I never yeah. heard of him either but uh, it stars Kurt Russell Steven Seagal Halle Berry and David Suchet uh, Air Force One is a Columbia Pictures once again Columbia <laughs> and Touchstone Pictures film it is directed by Wolfgang Peterson which is obviously yeah. the most Wolfgang Peterson film going who directed Das Boot in the line of fire and outbreak it stars Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, Glenn Close, and William H. Macy. Both, literally, both films are about terrorists hijacking a plane and a rescue team saving the passengers and defeating the terrorists. But I, like I said, I love both of these films. I just, like I said, I love that whole uh, one man or a couple of people versus a whole um, set of, of terrorists or whatever. You know? uh, it's basically Olympus has fallen on a plane or die hard on a plane. Um, I I prefer that it's a decision, I must admit, because even though, believe it or not, compared to Air Force One, it does seem more real because Harrison Ford literally plays the president and the president's this, like, kick-ass guy and he, he, te- he takes Get on... Get off my plane. Yeah. <laughs> no, to be fair, even though Air Force One's one of those hokey 90s action films, I think Gary Oldman yeah. does is a very good... Yeah. Um, portrays uh, the terrorists very well. well I think like we mentioned before, he's he, he was in the night as a kind of go-to bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah, he was in, um, Ro- um what's it, Leon, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. And I think he got that, I think he got the film based off that, but, um, yeah, for the longest time, because I've, I've watched, I've been watching Air Force One for, for like 10 years, I've been watching it for so long, and I thought Gary Oldman was like Ukrainian or something, because <laughs> I didn't realise he, I know we were named Gary Oldman, yeah. but, he even does a bit of brilliant. And to be fair to him, David Suchet as well. Yeah. They, the, the the films, the, the things that they, these films do very well is they star, is they cast really good leading men in Kurt Russell and uh, Harrison Ford, but they also cast two very good um, actors and some of the best character actors there is. Like David Suchet is absolutely brilliant in it as well in, in Exception. And like I said, I just love that. I don't know if it's just me personally, but I just love that whole uh, subgenre of um, it's a they're one location films which I love, and they are uh, one man like that commando model, one man versus you know um, an en- enemy. But like I said, they literally are just the same film, but yeah. has the thought as the president, where uh, Kurt Russell is the um, Washington. Um, he's um he's like a CIA analyst, yeah. and he's only supposed to be there to provide on-site intelligence, and he gets caught up in the whole yeah. thing. And it's Steven Seagal. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, you think Steven Seagal's gonna be because he's a, oh, he's a, he's a star man, yeah. but he dies like quite way through the film, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. So you're like, and it's it's odd this as well seeing Kurt Russell like you know we see him as like Snake Plissken, this like badass who's very competent. But it's, it's it's like that break, him in breakdown. It's very weird seeing him as as the yeah like, kind of vulnerable. And, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he doesn't he doesn't really do much until yeah. the end. I mean, we both love the ending to his. Episode. My favorite is the fact that after having like 
having lessons in a Cessna, he manages to land a 747. <laughs> and that, just is, that is just, yeah, you know. But it is what it is. I mean, it's an action film. You, yeah. You've got a kind of... Um, I, like I said, I think, the, I think it's a decision is the better film, but I yeah. think both of these films are really what They yeah. deliver in what they're going for. They're, they're, they're not meant to be um, the godfather, you know what I mean? They're not... Yeah. They're not they're just they're not trying to be like the best films. Yeah, if you if you take them as for what they are, yeah. you know, um, two of the best in their genre. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I can't. You know, when I watch either film, you always feel you know you've been entertained. Yeah, you know, it's a couple of hours well spent. You don't you don't feel like you know what a shit film. I wish yeah. I never watched that. So but that's what they do. They they entertain and and they yeah. don't take themselves too seriously. And they are, to be fair, there, there's a few um different like plot points that stand out like about how um in air force one i really like uh gary oldman's motive for doing it with the the re- release of the of his leader because at the start obviously shows him capturing him yeah and then they release him um it adds stakes into it as well you know with with uh when he's got his his daughter and wife hostage you know um but yeah i just I, i'm a proper I'm a proper bitch for those those one location <laughs> films. I just love them, and these are two of the best there is. So that's why they. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's been modern films that have the similar kind of um, similar, similar premise, stop premise of some, they, somebody. I mean, it was non-stop, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, uh, and there was another one as well where Jodie Foster, where her daughter goes missing on a flight. Yep. Um, so there's that kind of you know single situation on an airplane. I think these two definitely, yeah, definitely yeah. have been obviously nineties nineties action films. We love nineties action films, <laughs> don't we? Uh, yeah, hey, and and they got two brilliant casts. Yeah. Uh, they got good leading men and they got um, really good bad guys. So yeah. what more can you want than that? And I guess they both made money as well. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like I said, seeing especially executive decisions, seeing Kurt Russell and. De- um, Steven Seagal two of the biggest yeah. action stars in the world just on one poster and one film it's just it's like that uh, Pacino De Niro yeah. thing isn't it yeah, you know definitely, yeah. so I just love both of these yeah. films and I had a, you can you can just put them on and have a blast with them so yeah, yeah. right well thanks for that um, thanks for joining us um, hope you'll tune in again next week um, you can follow us on social media where the film geezers Twitter, Instagram. Um, we do do um, a film a day from 1960s to present on TikTok. Um, we can also check out our reviews on our website, which is www.filmgeezers.com. So all that's left is just to thank you for joining us and see you later. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye.